Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, good morning, Hope Church. Hey, it's so good to see everybody. If we've never met, my name is Tim, and I'm part of the team here at Hope. And um, I get the great privilege today to start off a brand new sermon series that you just saw up here on the screen called Redeeming Rest. How many of you look forward to some type of rest in the summer months? Yes, yes. I wasn't even done, and Pastor Daniel was already, his hand was already up. Like I hadn't even finished his sentence. He's like, yeah, um, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And we just came back from a week with our family in Florida. And so um, thank you for those of us, those of you who prayed for us as we tried to surf Florida waves. Um, it's not easy, but we made it. And uh, we had a great time in Florida. And, and how many of you know that like you come back, especially when you travel like across the country, you come back and you're like, Lord Jesus, I need a, I need a vacation from my vacation. Um, You know, summertime is that time of month where we instinctively gear ourselves toward rest and we try to grab some of it if we possibly can. Now I remember, maybe you're in the same boat. Nicole and I, for so many years, we had friends and family who would go on vacation and uh, post all their pictures and we couldn't, we couldn't afford it. Like we weren't picking up and going to places and so we were like, oh, hey, we're so happy for you. And all those pictures and all those things. No, no, we, we were. But for so many years, we, that's the place that we were in. And, and we always sort of idealized the summertime as like the season where we could finally get some rest. And God has a, a very special plan for us in our lives where rest is designed to be all of the time. True rest by God is designed to be in our hearts all of the time. But because God is God and he knows us as human beings, he knows that it helps when we have a little bit of structure around rest. And so he gave us a guide uh, book in order to understand how to get this rest thing done, how to experience it, and how to really see our spirits thrive. And so over the course of the next month, we're going to look at what God has to say about rest. And so today, I'm going to sort of kick it off. I'm going to give us a broad overview, and we're going to talk about some words of Jesus uh, here before we're done. And then over the course of the next month, we're going to dive deeper down into where we are right now with this broad overview. Now, this is Father's Day, and so for me, uh, Father's Day has always been a bit of a mixed bag. So when I was one, my parents divorced. And I saw my dad maybe up until I was about five years old, and then he moved out of state, and I saw him less and less and less until middle school, high school. We just didn't see each other, didn't talk with each other, and I didn't uh, see my dad for like over 20 years. Didn't talk to him, and um, I, I reached out to try to reconcile. The The result was not what, what we were hoping for, and so we just sort of gave that over to God. It was just a regular area uh, that we gave over to God. And in this last year, when I had a heart attack, I had a massive heart attack, and as I was laying on in the um, intensive care unit recovery uh, in my room, 
my dad called and left me a voicemail. I didn't even know he had my phone number, you know? And he found out somehow, and he called. And since then, we have talked. And Father's Day to today takes on a whole new meaning for me this year for the first time in my life. I'm actually, that I can remember, I'm in conversation with my dad for the first time since I was a little kid. Don't you know, this isn't at all part of this message, but don't you know that God is, God, and, and some of you are like, oh, great. This isn't even part of the message. Tim preaches pretty long. I don't, I don't know. This, I'm in for the long haul. But God is in the business of redeeming things. And I just feel like I need to say this, just sort of outside of, outside of the message to you today. If, if your relationship with your dad is all jacked up, maybe, maybe, maybe your dad is not even here anymore. Um, if your relationship with your kids is all jacked up, there's still time. Like, there's still time. It's never too late. It's never too late to reach out and grab a hold of what God has for you because he's in the business of redeeming things. And so maybe that's just a little word of encouragement for you. If that's what you needed today, please feel free. You can leave at any time and go get some pancakes, you know. But for the rest of us, um, we're going to dive into what God has to say about rest. Now, as a dad, then, I said that because as a dad, I get to do things I don't have any, like, example of. Like, like the, all the stuff that I do. Now, now, it's cool because I get, like, a little out, you know. Like, if I screw it up, I'm like, yeah, I didn't have an example, you know. What, you know? Um, but I get to do stuff. I do stuff around my house as a dad. And I don't know if this is true in your house, but dads sometimes do dad things. Like, they build stuff, or they try to build stuff. They try to fix stuff. Right, and I I try to do that, and I and I, I mess it up, but uh, often. But um, one of the things that has tried my faith to the core is putting together IKEA furniture. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like some of you are laughing, some of you have like a little tear rolling down your eye, your face right now. You're like, yes, Tim, I understand your pain. Listen, if you've never put together a piece of IKEA furniture, look look up here at the screen for a minute. This is an example of putting together something from Ikea, right? No words, no words, just little pictures, little tiny little things. And you see like in the top middle, there's like a screw with a circle around it and a little like line that says you need to put this screw right here. Now listen, if that's the 1.7 inch screw, don't put in the 1.8 inch screw. They look exactly the same, but they're not the same. Trust me, they're not the same. And what will happen is you'll have to go back and undo all of what you did. The whole time, remember, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm trying to model for my kids what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So I, I'm, I'm like muttering under my breath the things I don't want them to hear me say out loud, right? And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Did you know that God has an instruction manual for our lives? And it's not this complicated. It's not this complicated. But there are some things that in the process of putting human beings together, in creating human beings, there are some things that God said, this has to be in there. 
if you don't include this thing, I'm going to put a circle around it and point an arrow to where it needs to be in your life. If you don't have this thing, the whole thing falls apart. And in fact, what will happen is, if you're fortunate, you won't blow the whole thing up, but you might have to go back a few steps and fix some stuff if you don't do this thing, and it's called rest. It's called rest. God has specifically designed us as human beings to rest. And I'm not talking about just sitting on the couch, scrolling through your phone, right? I'm talking about true rest that rejuvenates your soul, that that when you experience it, it refreshes everything around you. It gives you new strength and new energy and new passion and new vision. It's the type of rest that God designed for us so that the creative energies inside of us can blossom, they can thrive, that we can become all of who God designed us to be. But if we leave this step out, we'll never get to that point. And in fact, you'll burn out. And if you're like me, one day, you might be laying on an emergency room table having a serious health issue, and you wonder, huh, I'm not, you know, a a typical candidate for this type of thing to happen in my life. Maybe I've got a little bit of stress in me. Maybe I'm not resting properly. Maybe I'm not trusting God. Maybe I've got anxiety in my life. Maybe I'm not in a regular rhythm and pattern of giving things over to God so that I can experience his peace in my life. So today we're going to jump in. I told you I'm going to give you the broad overview, and we're going to start in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. You can turn there in your Bibles if you have them. The words are going to be up on the screen as well. And as you turn to Genesis chapter 1, here's what's at stake today. Here's what's at stake. The culture around us is opposed to us experiencing true rest. I don't have to convince you of this fact. In order to get ahead in this life, you have to go, 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 go. And then you try to live in a place like Santa Cruz, and you try to pay your mortgage or your rent in a place like Santa Cruz, and all of a sudden, you just, like, the side hustle is not just this thing that is, you know, sort of trendy on social media with people but it's like absolutely necessary. You know, we have side hustles to our side hustles. You know what I'm saying? Just to try to make it in this place. And then you put on top of all of that, you put the fact that we have the world in our pockets, in our phones, and our minds, even when we're like not physically moving our bodies, we're scrolling through and our minds are engaged all the time. And we're surprised that when we lay in bed, we're like, why can I not go to sleep? Why do I have this insomnia? Why won't my mind shut down? It's because it's constantly in motion, right? It's constantly in motion. And our culture is designed, it's designed to do that in us. But we don't have to be controlled by what we call the hurry storm. In fact, there's an American philosopher named Dallas Willard, and he says it like this. You're going to see it up here on the screen. He says, the great enemy of spiritual life in our day is hurry. 
We might even say the greatest enemy to your spiritual life today is hurry. Go, 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 go. God is calling to us from the middle of the storm, and he's saying, I have something different for you. I have a different way for you. And it's yours for the taking if you'll grab it today. All right, and so here's the truth that God is going to teach us today. He's going to teach us today that true rest is the only thing that produces God's best. In your life, if you want God's best, you can only get it when you experience true rest. You can't shortchange the process. You can't skip the step. You can't be one of those guys that's like, I don't need instructions. I'll just tell I got this. I know how to build stuff. I'm going to put this together. You know I pour over instructions like, like, like it's the Bible. Like, I'm every detail. Like, I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm teaching my, my, my boys too. Like, as I'm building stuff, I'm teaching them. You have to look at the detail. Because I have felt the pain of having to go back and undo what I did so that I could then come forward to what it is I want to do, right? And so I don't want to experience that pain again. So I look at all the instructions. Here we go. We're going to look at God's instructions right now. You there? Genesis 1? Here we go. Genesis 1, here's what's happening. God is creating the world. I I talked to somebody last Sunday who was brand new to all things God, Jesus, Bible, church, right? And so we assume every time we gather that there are people here who are exploring this whole Jesus thing. So if you don't know the big story, let me just tell you that in Genesis chapter 1, the very first pages of the Bible, God is creating the universe. We read the creation account. And we're not here today to debate what, you know, how long each day of creation was, and we'll leave that to other people who love to do that kind of thing. But in this, um, in this creation narrative, the story is being told of God creating the universe. That's the point of, of the creation account. And, and each section of creation, God is creating things, and there are seven days total. And after six days, here's what it says. We're going to start Genesis 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Jumping into chapter 2 now. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from, or in the original language, that word just simply means stopped. That's, that's a hard stop right there. On the seventh day, he rested from, he stopped all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Don't be intimidated by that word. It just simply means set apart, special, different than the other days. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is what we call the Sabbath. God created a Sabbath day. Now watch this. It's the only day of all seven days of creating the universe. It's the only day that he blessed. It's the only day that he set it apart, that he called it holy. There's a reason why God said, I did all of these things, which was pretty impressive, right? It's pretty impressive what he did in all of these days. The universe humanity, 
every, all of it. I mean, just all of it. But on this seventh day, this Sabbath day, God says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything I did over here was pretty cool. And um, I think I did a pretty good job, God said. It's very good. But this day, I want you to pay attention to this day. This day is the most important out of all of the days. I'm going to bless it. I'm going to set it apart as holy. I want you to pay attention to this day. Now, you and I, we're all about the other six days. We're all about going after it, creating, working, doing the thing, right? Going after, you know, for us, it's conquering the world. You know, throughout your week, you set out, you open your eyes every day, and your goal, whether you know it or not, is to conquer the world out there. You go to work, conquer the work that you've been given to do. You raise a family, and it's, and it's, it's not in the sense of like a hostile takeover, but it's a conquering. I, 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 so I have, I have a task in front of me. I need to raise up my children in the way of God. I need to love them as a dad. I need to model things for them. I need to point them to Jesus. Those are things that I need to do. I, I, need to, like, I need to conquer those things. At the end of the day, if I lay my head down on my pillow and I've worked hard and I've loved my wife and I've taught my children and I've done what I could do, I've conquered that day in the purest sense of that word. Right? God says, I'm setting apart a day where the other six days of the week, you're conquering the world around you. On this day, I, wanna, I, wanna, uh, I want you to allow me to conquer you. I want you to be conquered on this day. I want you to experience what it's like for me to pour into you. Now, we get to experience this every day of the week, but there's something about a dedicated time of rest, of stopping all of that stuff so that we can allow God to do something inside of us. A seventh-day rest rhythm is actually working something divine in us as opposed to trying to conquer the world around us. And if you don't have a regular pattern, a regular rhythm of allowing God to conquer things in you, you'll never be effective in what he's called you to do, conquering the world around you. It's this divine exchange that we're looking for. Right? This is what we're looking for in this. The Jewish people have a great way of communicating this. And we're going to learn, we're going to learn some Hebrew here today. Are you up for it? You up for it? Come on now. It's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. We got pancakes and bacon waiting for you. We're going to learn some Hebrew today. All right. So there's a phrase. See it up here on the screen. It's called Shabbat Shalom. Now, if you, have, if you have Jewish friends, even Jewish friends who are followers of Jesus, you'll hear this phrase every single Friday. So for the Jewish people, the Sabbath is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That's the Sabbath, right? And so Shabbat is the word uh, where we get our word Sabbath. That's the Hebrew word for Sabbath, Shabbat. So Shah, like shove, Bot like robot, 
Okay? Shabbat. Let's say it together. Shabbat. All right? Let's say it together, both words. Shabbat, shalom. Now, shalom is one of the most beautiful words that, that you can say. It's, it's, it's the peace of God, technically, but it's, a, it's, a, it's the most complete, it, it's the word, and the word itself doesn't even do it justice. It's the most complete, whole, all-encompassing peace of God. It, it's the peace of God that's not just directed at you. It's the peace of God that surrounds you. From your head to your toe, toes everywhere. It's the peace of God that is all-encompassing. It's the most complete word that you can use to describe the peace of God. And the reason why they use this phrase, Shabbat Shalom, it's a, it's a prayer of blessing when you direct it towards somebody. And so when a Jewish person will see uh, another Jewish person on Friday leading up to sundown, the greeting will be Shabbat Shalom. And the person may say it back to you, Shabbat Shalom. And it means the rest of God, the true rest of God, rooted, right? Shabbat, the true rest of God, rooted in the complete peace of God. And it's this way of pronouncing blessing over somebody, saying, may may the rest of God that your soul craves for be rooted in the peace of God that provides you that ability to rest. Shabbat Shalom. It's an amazing way to describe what God intends for the Sabbath rest. So today, as we jump into Shabbat Shalom, we need to understand that although God put it together in Genesis, this is the created order of things, we were designed for this over here, we lost our way. Humanity. We decided that we knew better than God. We chose to rebel against God. The created order of things was broken at that point. All of a sudden, all the things God had put into place for us, we began to reject because we knew better than God. And so we got to the place as a society, as a culture, as a people, where we said, well, if six days of work produces this, well, then surely seven days will give me more of what I'm looking for. And so we, we, we put that aside, and quickly God already, in the second book of the Bible, Exodus, needed to correct our path. And so he gave us these things called the Ten Commandments. Guidelines for the people in the Old Testament and all people to come after that to, to live their lives by. And we know some of the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not what? Kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery, right? Thou shalt not envy, covet. Right? All of these things, like these big things. These are big things. Do you know that the longest commandment of all ten of the commandments is about the Sabbath? The longest one. Remember all of creation and God said, this is the day that's most important? All of the Ten Commandments? The longest one is about the Sabbath. In fact, you'll see it up here. Exodus. It's in the book of Exodus. Chapter 20. And it says this. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your son, your daughter, your male or female servants, your employees, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. It's like, you get the picture. Nobody is supposed to be doing stuff. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth see and all that is in them, but he rested, he stopped on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So God had to step in, because we messed it up, God had to step in and remind everybody through the Ten Commandments that I've given you this Sabbath day rest for a reason, for your souls, and I want you to observe it, I want you to practice it. It's so important that I'm going to include it in the Ten, in God's top Ten. So now I go all the way to the end of the Bible, Revelation. And in Revelation, we see a picture of what God is going to do. You'll see it up here on the screen. Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe, watch this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And just in case somebody was going to miss this, he, he added in, write this down. So, for these words are trustworthy and true. In the end, God will restore all things. The Sabbath rest that he instructs us to take will we'll have directly because we'll be with him. So from the beginning created order to the end where God restores created order, we see that God has designed us to be in rest with him. This is the way of God. This is the design of God. When you open up the IKEA instructions from God for human beings, you will see rest. It has to be in there. And you're like, okay, Tim, I get it. I get it. I see the big picture. I see the Bible beginning to end. I see God even reinforces it with the Ten Commandments. Like, okay, I see all that. But I'm, I'm not in either one of those places. I'm not in a perfect world. I'm in the world today. And, and what do I do today? How, how do I experience this Shabbat Shalom, true rest, right, that produces God's best in my life? Fortunately, Jesus has something to say about this. So let's turn to what Jesus has to say then. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. And this is what we're going to close out our time with today. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus gives us not just teaching on the Sabbath. I, I think the Sabbath, the, the day of rest, points to something deeper, right? When God gave us his guidelines, his instructions about the day of rest, it wasn't so that he could institute just a day. 
like just a day of rest, like a, like a thing. He, he put it in the place of a thing so that we could connect to a person, which is him. The, the day of Sabbath is just there. The day of rest is there so that we can connect with the God who created the day of rest. God's like, I want a special connection with you. And I know that in your life, even as you accomplish good things, your focus is on other things, other people. And I want your focus, and I'm going to give you this gift so that you can focus on me and experience my best for your life. And so Jesus talks about the Sabbath, but we're not going to that section. Jesus reaffirms the Sabbath. He talks about the Sabbath in, in, in affirmative ways. But this passage is the heart of the Sabbath. It's, it's the thing that allows us to be able to dig in and experience the true rest of God that only comes through Jesus. And here's what he says. You ready? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, the very first thing that we see as Jesus invites us to go deeper into Shabbat, He extends to everyone an open invitation. He looks out at the people he's teaching that day. Remember, this is a real experience. Like this is a this is a real thing. Jesus would be he would be seated on a hillside. He wouldn't have you know a fancy bench like you know a fancy stool like this. He'd be on a hillside, but he'd be sitting there with his followers. And he'd be teaching them, and he extends an invitation, and he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Now, now, the beautiful part of that statement is that not only is he inviting you to come to him because he has something for you, but he's, this is open to everyone. Are you weary at all in any part of your life? Are you burdened? You're like, Tim, I think I'm so tired that I'm both of those things. Like, what, is, what does that actually mean? Weary is when we're tired out of our own striving, right? We're going, we're doing, we're, that's weariness. Being burdened is when someone else places something on you. So are, are you weary because of your own striving, your own working, your own trying to get ahead? Are you burdened because someone else is placing some expectations on you? Maybe it's an employer, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe, maybe... Has anyone in here ever been burdened by the church? Some of you are like, yeah, I got here this morning at like 4 o'clock to help set up chairs and stuff. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. Have you, have you ever felt burdened by the church, by religious things, religious teachings? Like you just can't measure up. Like, like I just can't function under the weight of this thing. Like, there's just too much here. Like, I, I, I feel like there's just too many demands. Jesus was talking to a group of people that would have been heavily burdened by their rabbis. The Sabbath day, you could only take a certain number of steps on that day. Somewhere, somehow, some rabbi determined how many steps were okay and how many were not. After a certain number of steps, you were working. So, like, what would happen? Have you ever thought about this? 
What would happen if you lost track and all of a sudden you're on the Sabbath and, and it was 128 steps and all of a sudden you realized, oh, crap, you're at, my house is over there and I just took 120 steps. I can't get back. What, what, I don't know. And, and you're like, what do, what do I do? Somebody's, I don't know. What, I, okay, I'm just going to sit down here until the Sabbath is over so I don't break the Sabbath, right? The burden of religion. Jesus was talking to a group of people that would have been so heavily burdened by religion. Having stuff having nothing to do with God, nothing to do with following Jesus. It's just, it, it would have been so burdened. And he says, come to me. Listen, the invitation is extended to you and me here today. Jesus, through the Bible, through God's word, is reaching out to you today. And he's saying, come to me. I want you to come to me. I want you to come and hang with me. I want to chill with you. I want to give you good things. I want you to come and bring all of your weariness and your burdens to me. Isn't it amazing today, through, down throughout the centuries, that Jesus reaches out through the word of God and invites you to come to him? And you're like, some of you have been around the church for a long, long time, and you've heard this type of teaching, this passage. And maybe you need to hear anew, fresh, that Jesus is saying, come on, it's been a while since you've just chilled with me. Would you come and just hang with me just a bit? I've missed you so much. I've been here. I'm ready. I'm waiting. I have, my arms are open. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for you to come. Come, who are weary, all you who are weary and burdened, watch this, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the one who gives us true rest. It's a divine exchange that's happening here. Right? You bring your weariness, your burdens, you bring all of what is weighing you down and give it to me, and in return, I will give you Shabbat Shalom. True rest rooted in the peace of God. This is, this is what God desires for us today. Now watch, he says more. He says, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, if you don't know what a yoke looks like, it's a single piece of wood with two round pieces of wood, not, not sort of round pieces of wood, and the oxen, two oxen would be put inside of the, the yoke, the 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 crossbar would rest on their shoulders and they would work together. One oxen could do a lot for you, but if you hooked up two oxen together, you had exponentially the amount of power to be able to accomplish things you know, in your farm or whatever it was that you were doing. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Now that's an unfortunate English translation. Um, He's not saying there's no work. Uh, the better translation for that word is the word good. My yoke is good. 
My yoke is good and my burden is light. Do you know why it's light? Because Jesus is the one carrying it. So imagine two, two oxen in, in a yoke, right, pulling together. Jesus, as an oxen, you can imagine, his neck would be a little bit bigger than yours. Just saying. Be a little bit bigger than yours. You would be in there with him. You'd be in the, in the thing with him. But he's carrying the shoulder. He's shouldering the load, right? Jesus, you're walking with Jesus. And so Jesus is like, listen, I want you to walk with me. I want you to let me carry the load, right? And I want you to trust that I'm leading you in the right direction as we work together. This is important. Jesus doesn't just invite you to come and be with him. He invites you to work together with him in the work that he's accomplishing here in this world. Now watch this. Why would he say, my, my yoke is good and my burden is light? Because he was talking to a group of people who had so many religious expectations put on them by their rabbis that it was heavy. They couldn't bear up under it. Jesus said, I've got a different yoke. It's good and it's easy. You know what the yoke of Jesus was? He said the whole thing, the whole of the law boils down to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the yoke of Jesus. It's good. It's easy in that it's not difficult to understand. It's not complicated. But he's called us to do it. He's called us to join in with him, let him carry the load for us, and accomplish the work that he has set aside for us to do here in this world, in this community, in this place. Most remarkable teachings of Jesus in all of the scriptures. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is good and my burden is light. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.